Welcome to this Niche AudioCast. My name is Will Patch. I'm the Senior Enrollment Insights Leader here at Niche. Today you're going to hear a webinar that's been converted to a podcast so you can listen on the go. You can find all the resources that are mentioned as well as the original recording on the Enrollment Insights blog, which you can find at niche.bz insights. Enjoy. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome. Thanks for joining us on this great Wednesday what would normally be the last day of February, we get an extension. But I just really want to say thank you for everyone to joining, but giant thank you to Sarah Jane Musk. She's Director of Enrollment Communications at Bellarmine. Uh, she'll be sharing a lot of great information today. I see people have already found the chat. Uh, this is part of the new platform for our webinars. Uh, so you get to jump in there, chat with each other, uh, if you want to ask questions, there's a Q&A tab. You can upvote existing questions or submit your own questions, uh, and we'll be able to see those and, and get to those at the very end. Uh, so Sarah, I'll let you do a quick intro, and then we'll jump into the presentation. Hi, everyone. Um, like Will said, my name is Sarah Jane Musk. I'm the Director of Enrollment Communication at Bellarmine University. Um, a little bit of background, for those who don't know Bellarmine, we're a small private Catholic liberal arts university in Louisville, Kentucky. It's pronounced Louisville um, and it's pronounced Bellarmine. Um, so I have been a Bellarmine for 11 years um, in a variety of roles, um, but I found my passion and my purpose um, when we got Slate. And I got to take on the role as um, our communications lead. So um, basically anything that goes out to prospective students um, goes through me. And it's really like exciting and wild and also kind of crazy that like I'm in a job that most of my uh, most of my <laughs> entire life depends on the decision of 17 and 18 year olds. So um, that's a little background on me. And then I think we can go ahead and get started. Yeah. Well, we will having a little trouble with the slides. Actually, Sarah, if you have the slides ready there, if you want to share your screen, sure. uh, we'll go ahead and share a PDF after. Hopefully. Sorry, everyone, for uh, the delays and everything here. First time on the new system. So, of course, it's a learning curve like everything else, right? Okay, I think. There we go. We found the reactions. <laughs> Okay, are we good? We're good, thank you. Okay, so I already gave my little background on Bellarmine. Um, let me make sure that I can actually navigate through these properly. Still see in there, okay. And now you just get all my little bubbles at the bottom, so sorry about that. <laughs> You'll see that I have way too many tabs open on my computer. Um, so I don't need to tell anyone on this call, uh, the, the students that we're recruiting now, they just grew up with the internet. They grew up with algorithms. They completely expect that the internet is going to tell them, um, you know, exactly what they want and, and it's going to know what they want and it's going to be able to read their mind. Um, but being in the higher education space, we have to, we have to, figure out how we can address that and how we can um, how we can make students feel as though we know as much about them without creeping them out um, and also still feel relevant without um, without feeling like we're we're trying too hard um, so 
I think um, the best way to do that is to listen to the students and to use the information that we get from the students to um, make their journey feel um, custom. So when I say custom, um, as I said, we use Slate, um, but this, I'm, this can be done across any other uh, type of CRM. Um, we want it to always feel as though we are anticipating the students' needs and we are um, developing a relationship with them from the very beginning of when their journey with us starts all the way through enrollment. Um, I know pretty much everyone on here probably gets those shopping cart emails, the ones that are, you know, hey, you left this in your cart, come back and do it. I always used to think, wow, that's really like, how do they figure that out? How do they manage to um, to come back and keep me reminded and keep me engaged? Um, and then I found Slate. Um, and it's actually a lot more simple than, than I probably ever would have experienced. Um, so we use um, we use the web data on our students to send them information that is relevant to them at that time. So for example, a student who goes to our visit page but then doesn't schedule a visit will get an email from their admission counselor um, offering for them to come visit us on campus. Um, a student who visits our financial aid page and spends some time on our financial aid page will get information from their counselor um, offering to talk to them about all the various awards that we have here. Um, we do the same thing with our niche direct admit students. Um, when they are a direct admit student and they spend time on our website, we want to make sure that they know, yes, it's a real offer. Yes, this is something that um, that is available to them. And we want to make sure that they land on the correct onboarding form rather than our regular application. So we send them an email as well. And that, thanks to that partnership with Niche, that's been very successful. But when we think about it, as a communicator, it feels like there's always, you know, too much to do. Um, there's always a new like person saying, do X, Y, Z thing. This is what the students want to hear. Um, and also there's a lot of different information being thrown at students. So one of the things a couple years ago, we decided to um, bring our search process in house. Um, and I wanted to find a way to streamline all of the communications that we're going to have to go out to students as a result of that. Um, I actually attended a webinar where someone talked about um, varying the CTA buttons using content snippets, um, but I wanted to take it a step further. So I actually, within every email that goes out to our students, regardless of where they are in, in our pipeline, so whether it's a freshman all the way through a senior through an enrolling student, I am change what we're asking them to do based on the data that we have on them. So for example, you can see on here, um, apply now. And then that changes because it's obviously not everyone can apply now. Um, and then also with our direct admission students, we wanted to be able to continue the relationship with them that they are already at quote unquote and admitted to Bellarmine. Um, they just need to claim their scholarship. So we change for those. Um, and then also for students who have started an application. So trying to um, streamline processes for us so we're not having to rebuild comm flows all the time. The other thing that I wanted to do was to be able to make the students feel like I already know enough about them to, to predict what it is that, they, um, that they're that they going to need from us. So 
everyone, pretty much everyone, you, you bring students into your system and you know their major or perhaps they're undecided. And so you can talk to them about things that are specific um, to the program that they're interested in. Um, but you can also do that by just controlling all of the, the content that's in one email. We have within our system, um, every major has uh, a, a link over to the program site associated specifically with that major. Every major has a, um, a person who is the program chair linked into our system. Um, and every program has content snippets that are relevant about that program. So it makes it really easy for us to customize the message so that it feels both personal, but also relevant to the student. Um, but we don't just want to talk to them about their major. There's a lot of other things to talk about um, when it comes to personalization um, and when it comes to the student journey. Um, a lot of students, it's not just about what they're going to be studying while they're in college. It's also about, you know, what am I going to be doing? What's life like going to be on campus? Um, what what should I expect as far as like getting involved and all of the other things? And there's not really a way to know anything about that, what the student wants, unless you ask them. So we've introduced um, micro surveys. One, they verify, you know, if we if we think a student's interested in a program, we're gonna ask them again, like verify that this is what you're interested in. Um, you know, ask them about their hopes and dreams. What do they want out of their college experience? Are they afraid about moving away from home? Um, and all of the various things so that you can tailor your message to what the student really is, is hoping to get out of their experience. Um, and so we use microsurveys throughout the, throughout the life cycle. And interestingly, you know, the open and the click-through rates, when we then follow up with students about the things that they told us are relevant to them, are two to three times higher than any other open or click-through rate on our emails, and I know open rates are no longer a, are no longer a symbol of engagement, but it's the click-through I think that's really showing that um, the student is is finds the message useful and finds it relevant. Um, so this year, uh, we I don't have to tell anyone FAFSA's thrown us all through a loop. Um, I decided, sorry, I think my screen is still showing messages from people. Um, <laughs> this year I decided rather than, you know, just sit around and wait um, because obviously the Department of Education isn't getting us what we need. Um, we needed a way to continue to engage with the students throughout this process. Normally, January and February for us is like yield season. We're going out to the students, we're asking, um, we're high pressure. Are you, is it a yes, no, or maybe? Are you coming to Bellarmine? Are you not coming to Bellarmine? So that we can then follow up with them with the information. Um, but this year, we didn't feel comfortable doing that. If they don't even know how much they're going to pay for, um, for a program, we can't ask them to come and to commit. So we decided to turn this to our advantage um, and uh, and actually talk to the students and get a better idea of where they are so that we can focus our efforts. So what I did, and um, a lot of this 
I was fortunate, you know, we had a lot of the back end already built out on this. Um, I built a personalized survey portal for our students, um, personalized to to a higher degree, I think, than I've ever managed to do for um, for prospective students. Um, we have all of our programs broken out into what we call buckets. So, you know, the type of program that it is and all the majors that are relevant within that. Um, and so I was able to leverage those, uh, those buckets to create headers that specifically kind of lean into, hey, we know who you are, we know what you're interested in, um, and also then make them help to get them excited about the opportunities that are going to be available to them this year. So these were all built in content snippets. And the nice thing about that is that they can be used in a variety of places. This isn't just going to be, it can't just be used in this one place. Once you've done the back end work, it can be used all over. Then to the next level, I created, um, created a variety of different CTAs within the portal based on um, user data. So based on the websites that the students had been visiting, I can display different information to the students. So for example, if a student was on our honors website, we talk about um, what the honors program is and explain this is where you can go to apply for the honors program. If they're on our learning communities, which is our first year learning experience site, um, I'm, I'm displaying information about that information about the financial aid page. So just trying to um, meet them where they are and provide them with relevant next steps. We know that students who participate in honors and who participate in our learning communities are much more likely to, um, to stay throughout their four years to, to retain. And so we really want to um, support students um, choosing those programs. I don't I've never been able to, you know, to think about um, about how to fully personalize and customize um, this type of experience for a student before until this opportunity was presented where we needed to think through how are we going to keep students engaged throughout this FAFSA process. So I saw this as a really exciting way to really um, take it to the next level and to, um, to help the students know exactly what to expect um, when they arrive here at Bellarmine. Again, this is customized specific to the student. Um, we already have all of our admission counselor um, photos stored behind the scenes in our system. So these are things that can be used not just in portals, they can be used in emails, they can be used uh, just in our Find Your Counselor portal. It really helps when you've already done all the backend work to personalize and make it relevant. In addition, the the content that I was talking about earlier that we have for all of our programs is also being leveraged within this portal. So we're talking to them about the program that they're interested in. We're giving them the contact information for the people in those programs that's already there. We're reminding them about their, their scholarship offer that we've made to them, and we're getting them excited for what is to come in the next few years. And then within that, we're also asking them where they are in their decision process. Um, we really, we have a larger admit pool this year than we've had in years, but we're behind on confirms. I think most schools are in a similar boat. Um, so we needed a way to help prioritize the work 
that our counselors are doing um, in outreach. And we also needed to be able to go to our board and go to various stakeholders around the university and tell them, you know, we know what's going on with these students. We know um, we can project that XYZ enrollment will happen this year. And so that's where the micro survey came in and actually asking students, like, how are you feeling about Bellarmine? What, what is it that's holding you back from making a commitment right now? And um, the <laughs> response data proved, uh, proved, our theory correct. Um, the students overwhelmingly said they will not be able to make a decision until they get their financial aid award. Um, so our hands are still tied. We still don't have um, we still don't have those uh, FAFSAs in hand. But because of this data, we were able to remove any students who said they're no longer interested. We were able to prioritize where our um, counselors should be doing their outreach and what information they should be providing to students. We um, also were able, we asked them specifically, you know, what is it that you need from us in order to be commit? And even the ones who said Bellarmine is my top choice, it was still financial aid that was holding them back. This allowed us to make the decision we needed to move forward on getting estimates out, which is what I honestly have been spent been spending the last two weeks doing. So I probably am a little less prepared for this presentation than I would have been if I wasn't trying to figure out how to communicate to students what an estimated package might look like for them. But this allowed us to feel a lot more confident in the projections that we were making about our class for next year. It also allowed us to um, let the university feel a little more confident that we had made, um, <laughs> that this large admit pool was still actually one that was interested and engaged with us. I also think that the students are getting a better experience overall. Now they're still waiting to hear from us on what their, their, their package is, but they think at least Bellarmine is listening and Bellarmine is uh, is cognizant of the fact that that I need this information before I can make a decision. And with this information, we've created call lists that the uh, admission counselors can prioritize, talk them through a variety of options because we have a very price sensitive population, even though we're a private school. Um, we actually can call them and say, you know, what do you think? as far as like, what's your family's financial situation? Okay, you might be eligible for XYZ situation. And it's really helped our counselors um, to, to streamline their work and to have better conversations with their prospective students. And of course, as a result of this, we also have emails that are going out to the students. But to me, the more uh, beneficial side was to help our hand-to-hand our -hand combat with our admission counselors. And so I think um, one of the things, one of the themes that I really want to address here is like, how do you make this sustainable? How do you do this throughout um, when you've got too much work on your plate anyway? One of the things I talked about was, you know, we had, we divided all of our programs out into buckets. So we can think about things in that way. So that takes our um, 60 plus majors and puts them into six different categories. We still have information that's relevant to each of those individual majors, but we also can put students into, into groupings that help us to better communicate them on that, uh, around that. Um, everything that we have in our, in our system is in 
one place where it can be used throughout a variety of purposes. I said we have links for every single major. Yeah, so the our, our .edu, the link that is relevant for the mathematics page, is stored and connected to our mathematics major in Slate. Um, the images are all in one place. The content is all in one place and the data is all in one place. And that's the only way I think to really be able to do this and do this at scale and to reuse things throughout. So I can also send postcards that have the same information to students and not have to recreate it every single time, rethink what was that data point? Where do I need to update things? Um, and that is, I think to me, the number one trick if you walk away from this is uh, make sure that if you have information about your students, if you have information about your programs, if you have information about your school in general, having it all in one place where it's accessible and can be edited and can be used and recycled so that you're not rethinking and rebuilding all the time would be my number one tip. And I think we have a whole bunch of pre-submitted questions. Um, Will, did you want to cover anything before we go into the questions? No, we can. Uh, yeah, if you want to stop sharing, I'll just drop those straight onto the screen here. Okay. And uh, yeah, we had a lot of questions come in advance. We've had several come in during. Uh, you can actually go to the Q&A tab, submit questions, uh, and then actually upvote some of them so we can help prioritize a little bit. Uh, we also had a couple come in um, in the chat. So I'm going to test this out. We had a couple on this uh, this theme. What was the response rate on your surveys? Um, it was, uh, I want to say we got about a 10% response rate, which is okay. actually pretty good and also made us feel good about the engagement rate that we have with mm -hmm. our prospective class. Yeah, I think we always want 100%, but uh, I think realistic <laughs> is is much better there. Yeah, and I, I just love this idea of the microsurveys. I think you're, what you're doing is you're taking that idea of a small inquiry form followed up by supplementals, and you're making it more engaging and more intentional. And just really, really appreciate that. And you're putting it in one place so that you can yes. you can use <laughs> and you can go to people and say this is this is what we're hearing back from students. And that I use that data to say, you know, this is why our enrollment strategy is this. They're telling us mm -hmm. this. Yeah, it's great to have the data to back it up. All right, a second one here. Do you have some before and after data on the impact that personalization is having? Before and after data. Well, so this is the first year that we've done that level of personalization mm -hmm. with the portal. Um, I do have data on, you know, just our general search um, performance versus the personalized follow-up that comes as a result of it. Um, mm -hmm. And and so, like I said, that's a two to three percent higher click-through rate. I think when I looked at it most recently, and I actually probably just sent this to my boss, um, that it was here. I have it here. Um, an average click-through rate for our general campaigns would be like a 0.5 or um, 2.4 on a sophomore on the um, on the follow-up messages that are specific to the things that students told us what they are interested in. Um, ones addressing their college hopes have a 4.9% click-through rate. Ones 
addressing their um, nerves have an 8.7% click-through rate. And the highest of all, you'll be really surprised to hear, is our email about financial aid. And it has a (laughs) 13.6% click-through rate. Yeah, that's the that's the big thing everyone's looking and, and asking about right now. We have a very uh, price sensitive population. Yes, and that that's the thing too. I mean, unless you've worked at a uh, at a small institution like a Bellarmine, I worked at Manchester University for years and years. Very very price sensitive populations. They they like the smaller populate the the smaller campus, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they are much wealthier either. Exactly. All right. Well, let's let's jump to the the pre-submitted questions here first one here once the right comm flow is created how do you gauge how much outreach is too much i feel even with a perfectly crafted comm flow students are contacted too much from so many places they don't even look at the content being sent to them i know this might tie into the um, secret shopping project i did last summer but yeah students get a lot of messaging so how are you how are you measuring that you know, you can pay attention to your opens and your click-through rates and things along those lines. I, I think it's going to be it's going to be different depending on your audience. So for parents, they're going to want to hear from you more frequently. Um, the the general rule of thumb that I've tried because it's never going to be perfect, right? The general rule of thumb that I've tried with um, with like a senior comm plan is every couple weeks we send them an email. Within that, there's going to be things that are going ad hoc. So I try to also know like which day of the week my drips are probably going to be running on so that I'm not hitting them multiple times. The number one thing that I try to avoid is hitting them more than once in a day. Um, So I think it's different from school to school. I think it's different from student to student. Um, For a freshman, I'm going to send them an email every four weeks or so. They really don't need to hear from you regularly. And I do think, I do pay attention to our unsubscribe surveys. And students say it it was too much. But then we have other students who say, you guys were so good at communicating with me. This That's why I ultimately chose Bellarmine. So it is, it's going to be like a student who wants to hear from you is going to want to hear from you. A student who doesn't want to hear from you doesn't. It, you just have to bat, walk a balancing act. And I think it, I think you need to pay attention to your engagement rates. And then one of the things that we've also done is if students aren't engaging with us, we stop sending the ad hoc stuff. Because if they're not engaging with things that they're getting regularly from us as far as drip campaigns, they're not going to show up at a preview day. Yeah. Yep. That's smart. And, and I think, are you different? Are you measuring it differently than two thinking about the prospects, people who didn't necessarily raise their hand versus the inquiries who said, yes, I want more information. Yeah. And, and we actually, so we built engagement scores to address that this year because we knew that we couldn't, we knew that we couldn't, um, we couldn't send print pieces to everyone who we were going to bring into our system, but we also didn't want to rely on just historical data to tell us, you know, these are the places where we typically see students come from and then, only send to students within XYZ zip codes. So instead we built out engagement scores and based on those engagement scores, we sort of qualify um, prospects and inquiries. Okay. All right, next question here. Since you're in Slate, can you talk about your use of ping and communication flows or calendar-based emails? Yeah, I think I, uh, 
I did uh, show how I use mm -hmm. ping on um, on our emails. Those ones I do set to run ongoing. So those ones where it could be one where it's like they got a drip email, but they also got um, a ping related communication. Um, but my general rule of thumb there is like, okay, well, this one is clearly addressing something that they are looking for information on. Um, and it's also from their admission counselor. In general, I don't send um, drip campaigns from admission counselors because those have to be scheduled to send every day of the week. And I don't like to send things from an admission counselor on Saturdays and Sundays because they're not working on Saturdays and Sundays. So um, I try to I try to make those ping ones much more personal and feel as though they're actually coming from a person. Yeah. All right. What are some ideas of things to personalize uh, besides intended major and possibly location? I know you've hit like on some surveys. of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, that is exactly that's exactly what I would say. I would say um, collect data on them, ask the students what they want to learn more about, um, mm -hmm. and then think about what on your campus supports the things that they're saying they're interested in. It's not just a saying, we know you're nervous about X, Y, Z. It's a saying, okay, so this is something that you're nervous about. We have this specific thing on our campus that's going to help you make friends or this specific thing on our campus that is going to help you um, be a leader in your community. And then looking at, you have to kind of really know um, what is available at your school in order to authentically tell a student how you're going to address what they're either concerned about or what they um, what they need? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think it's when we have people ask the same question about, well, how how do we get in touch with parents? We don't have a way. Ask them. Ask your student. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> we actually also do the reverse. We um, we have parent conflows where we're asking parents to also confirm their students' information and mm. especially collect a non-high school email for the student. Um, yeah. uh, we, we ask, is this the best email address to reach your student when we have parent data, but not um, but we want to confirm for their student. Smart. All right. At what point do you deliver these microsurveys? And I, I know that's going to be multiple answers because you're not just doing one microsurvey. Yeah, um, so our microsurveys are built as our initial inquiry form too. So it, as far as search goes, um, so when a student clicks to say, yes, I'm interested, they're dropped to a microsurvey. And then that's the first one. Um, but then we also within, um, so if a student fills out an RFI, that's a short RFI, they'll get a, a link within that RFA to, RFI to then go and complete your profile so we can tell you more information and tell you better things about what you're interested in. Um, so we do use them throughout a variety of ways. I, the bulk of the students who fill, fill it out, it's through the search campaign. And by and large, it's like the first one or two emails that they're responding to and they're filling it out. So um, I think, I think, after a few chances, if they don't, if they don't engage with you, it's probably, you know, at that point you can do a, a last ditch effort, but um, mm -hmm. it's really the first couple emails that they, that they engage with us. Okay. So you have that sort of last call for uh, last call for support here. I mean, I'm not going to drop them out of my conflow, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not going to, I'm not going to waste my effort on them. It's, it's really, yeah. um, I want, I want, to continue to remind them that we're here and that we're available for them. But we do find it's, you know, it's the ones that we purchase early on 
in their um, in their high school career who are going to perform the best. So I uh, sophomore open rates are way better than um, senior. Hmm. All right, let's get a drink of water here. Uh, how can you ensure the accuracy and integrity for data sets supporting personalized con- uh, content? Um, you kind of have to be a busybody, I think. Um, and like, I have a dream that one day I'll have a form where if anything changes, whoever is responsible for that will, will know to go and submit it. Um, and, and let me know that like XYZ thing has changed about their program or, um, that the web, the web URL for their program has been updated or, um, the number of classes required for their program has been updated or things along those lines. I'm not there yet. So right now I just have to um, basically make sure that people tell me when things change. And, and then when I notice that things are broken, I can go and address it. So I spend a lot of time just trying to troubleshoot and make sure that things are still working as we expect them to. Yeah. Just keeping eyes on everything. Right. All right. Uh, can you share some more details on the data sets that are powering these buckets, the variable data, for example, how many data points are imported into your CRM and what are some key fields to include in your data set and what buckets or lists do you suggest to start with? You've got a lot there. Um, <laughs> nice meaty question. I, I would say how to start with is bite off what you can chew at any point. Um, I actually leveraged the categories field for sorting our programs into buckets, um, which is a standard field that already exists in Slate for um, every um, every field value or prompt value. Um, so that's how I do that. And then based on those buckets, I named my content snippets to match that bucket name, and then that will pull in. Um, Data, how are the data points imported into our CRM? I mean, most of them exist in, so the data points like microsurveys exist in the CRM because that's where mm-hmm. I've built them. Um, the other things that we bring in when we, you know, get a list of leads from Niche um, are all the fields that are relevant to the student that they provided to Niche and then come over to us. And that's usually just basic contact information, but then it's on us to follow up with those students and to get more information about them. Um, confirm what program they're interested in, ask them um, ask them to complete their profile. And really, I, I've found that like saying, like complete your profile so that we can help you um, with more relevant communication, it registers to them. They like, yeah, I want relevant communication. I want you to tell me what I want to know. Um, and so telling them why they should fill out the form is also really helpful. Yeah, that's great advice. Uh, next one here, I will answer. Uh, does Niche have the ability to build out automated comm flows to students who interact with the university pages? Yep, that's one of the things that that uh, is part of the partnership is when um, on the traditional side, a student adds a college to list, is, is engaging with that college, they'll get information from us advocating for that school. On the direct admission side, um, we handle that initial offer, the scholarship offer, um, make that connection and, and have some automated conflows there as well, uh, in addition to the handoff. So, and I can say, I mean, it's been a great partnership for us. It's been super valuable, um, and the leads that come in are are engaging with us on, in when they get into our system. Great to hear. I know your numbers are looking great for direct admissions too. Yeah, they are. Oh, uh, that's why uh, we've got that big admit pool this year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
we are a small team, stretch thin, what are the most important steps we can take to offer segmented comflows and stay on top of everything else we have to do? I know, Sarah, you've got a team of 50 to 100 people there <laughs> helping out. So so what? let's let's uh, play pretend here of having a small team. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, until last year, around this time last year, I was a team of one as far as it went on communication. Um So <laughs> preach it to the choir here. Um, so what what did I do? Um, when we first onboarded with Slate, the first thing I did was um, think about like, what are the things I have to get done? What are the absolute like needs to, um, to be able to recruit a class for next year um, and to make sure that students are getting communication? Um, I would say the most important thing to stay on top of is like, you need to know what's going on at uni your university so that you can communicate that to to your prospective student audience. If just start with something, like really just start with something. It, something is better than nothing. So whether it's in your first year, you just have to do ad hoc emails to get people to apply or to attend visits or whatever it is that your your goal is then. Um, just start there. And then as you have... As you're thinking about, like, make a list of what it is that would help you do better. Like, do I need a content snippet for every single program so I can personalize the information about the program? Do I want to store a, um, a program contact for all of my um, programs so that down the road I could have a segmented comm flow that looks like it's coming from a program director? Um, so bite off what you can chew um, and stay really focused on um, on what the goals are and and on what you've got going on yeah like the old saying goes how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time um all right how are you setting up the microsurveys in slate um they're just really basic forms um that i pre-fill with a pearl url um and I would never send a student to one that wasn't through an email. So um, I want them to have all of their, we, are, they, we already know their, their name, their birthday, mm -hmm. their email address. We don't need to ask those things over and over again. Um, so I build them to just ask, it could be two questions, it could be five questions, but they are small, they're chewable, um, and, um, and you can get through them really quickly. Yeah. Okay, the one I up. showed about, the FAFSA that was built into a portal, but usually I really do just send them directly to the form. Okay. Uh, next one up here. I just want to know how this can help me as we transition to slate and are building out our drip campaigns and drip campaigns and comp plans. Um, if I could go back and do it all over again. So the first thing that I did when we got slate um, was build out a drip campaign for every single graduate program. Um, that wasn't the way I wanted to do it, but I was told that that was the way our grad team wanted it done. Um, mm -hmm. If I could go back and do it all over again, I would have leveraged content snippets and translation codes and data sets. And I will down the road, hopefully that's my goal, is so that I could have just maybe a couple comm flows mm -hmm. for, um, for graduate programs, not 30 plus. Um, but um, also my first year, our our undergrad stuff, I did I handled that all ad hoc. I couldn't wrap myself my head around like building out a whole comm flow when I just 
transitioned into the role. Um, and that was fine. It worked. You know, I, I was able to more focus on like, these are the deadlines we've got coming up. This is the content that we're putting out right now. Um, so just take it one day at a time. Um, but also like keep a big picture in mind, like what I'm doing now could, if I've already built great content, how can I leverage it further? All right. Can you address overcoming the challenge of creating workflows across multiple student types and modalities of learning? Yes. Um, like I said, on the grad campaigns, we have one for every single program built out. Um, the other thing that I've done is, um, so that that's too much. <laughs> Personally, <laughs> don't do it. Um, try to try to try to simplify it. So then the other thing is I try to make things as evergreen as possible. So Things like transfers and grad, I don't want those to be entry term specific. I want those to be able to just run. And as I need to up make updates, I'll make updates. But I don't want to have to redo my transfer campaign every, um, every year. So instead, I let that be evergreen. It's not looking at a specific entry term. It's not changing anything based on those. But then as things happen that are like, you know, this is the thing you need to do to enroll that are specific to the entry term, then I filter down and do ad hoc emails. Um, so, you know, spring is coming up for transfer students. It's time to go ahead and submit your registration form. Um, and so don't, you know, don't feel like you have to have everything accounted for, every little step in the process accounted for with one um, with one column flow. Okay. How are you pacing drip campaigns for students who are in your pool for a long time versus the students who come in close to app deadlines like May or November? I use the same drip regardless of when they enter our pool, but I have ad hoc messages to complement it. So um, a senior, like I said, our drip campaigns on a senior are going every two weeks. And then there's ad hoc messages within that to help um, remind them of things that are important. Um, then a sophomore, you know, will be every three weeks or whatever it is. So I, I don't change it based on when they enter um, just because of the, the way that drip works in slate. Okay. And one question from chat here. How long have you been on slate? We got slate in 2019. 19. Okay. So you've had a little bit here to get things run the way you want. Yeah. Uh, and would never go back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and let's see. Next up here from Mary. Have you tried setting up micro surveys for parents to address their interests and questions about college? It sounds like you did a little of that with verifying student information, but. Yeah. It's not so much asking them about what they, uh, their interests and questions are, but it, it is more about verifying student information. I like that idea though, like asking parents, like what else is it that you want to know about your student and then addressing those needs. Um, parents in general just engage with email more than students do. Um, the open rates and click-through rates on parent emails are much higher than student. Um, and we know that parents care about, you know, campus safety. They care about ROI and they care about, um, you know, how much it's going to cost for their, their mm -hmm. student. Um, so we address things that, and, and we pay attention to the data that, you know, our friends at Niche put out about surveys that they take with high school students and things along those lines. And we try to address things based on that as well. 
But yeah. I like that idea, and maybe I'll add that to our parent group. Yeah, worth a worth a try. Yeah. All right, from Andy here. Any advice for similar campaigns for grad programs? You've had some experience there. Yeah, I would try to think like, how can you bucket them into so you're not building one for um, for everything? Um, you know, there. I went to a Slate Summit presentation last year that inspired me um, to to want to simplify our grad campaigns. Um, so thinking about building out content snippets that are relevant to programs so you can vary things. In general, with grad campaigns, I think that they want to hear from the person who they're going to be uh, working with. So I try to make those a little more personalized. Um, and then, um, you know, think about how you can, how you can, kind of bunch them into groups so that you don't have to create something separate for every single one. Yeah. Okay. Any advice about gathering data on potential transfer students, some of whom are coming from community colleges and some from traditional four years? I would make microsurveys for them too. We actually just started doing microsurveys for transfer students. Um, And then there again, we're calling it like completing your profile. Um, do you want, and it also like, what is it that you want to know? Like how many course mm-hmm. hours have you completed? Um, when are you planning to like, what, what's inspiring you to transfer? What is it, you know? Um, and I, and I don't think like the difference between coming from a community college versus a traditional four year. I mean, they still, they're, they're, cho- they're looking at you for a reason. So try to figure out what it is and why they're looking at you and how you can address um, what their needs were maybe that weren't being met, especially when it's a student coming from a four-year, another four-year school. And be interested if anyone has tried even separate comm flows based on the type of school they're coming from, it'd be interesting to know if there are actually differences there. or if We have the a little bit of variation just because of some partnerships that we have with our um, community colleges in the area. So we do have separate conflicts that address, you know, the affordability, because it's a different level, it's a different type of affordability versus a scholarship. Um, On the transfer side, I did also, um, we offer every transfer student a scholarship. So I built out kind of a scholarship calculator for transfers so they can see how much they'll qualify for, because I think that's a big question, regardless of of where you are, is like, well, am I even going to get a scholarship? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you do you recall off the top of your head if you were seeing differences in behaviors or questions they were asking based on two or four year? We get better engagement from students who are c- coming from a who are coming from a four year school, but I think there's more of an intention behind that when they're looking at you. Um, our our partnership with local colleges, with local community colleges, they'll send us their students. So it's more like a cold lead. Um, Okay. Okay. How are you incorporating brand elements into email design? Do you have someone who does HTML design for you or messages more simple text box, text boxes and image blocks? Um, We have templates that are built out that work across um, most of the platforms, most of the email platforms. Um, I thought about going the deliver designer route where you can have, you know, your elements all built out, but I've also heard that those aren't necessarily, um, 
those aren't necessarily always the most mobile friendly or they don't always work in all platforms. And I think that matters more to me. The fact that it works in on a phone matters more to me than anything. Um, I know for a fact students are not sitting down at a computer and looking at their email. So I just care if it looks good on their phone. Yep. Students are not us sitting at a computer all day and <laughs> waiting for emails to come in. Let's <laughs> <laughs> uh, <must> be nice. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Ah, from Patty. Hi, Patty. Uh, how do you adjust the query to leave out students who are not engaging? Uh, we actually built um, we built engagement scores, so I can I can filter on engagement scores based on um, how engaged I want the students to be. Yeah, and I'll if I'll try and make a note for myself here to include um, Sarah Jane was was very generous with her time back in the fall and did a slate um, webinar with us uh, talking about that engagement scoring and and modeling there. So uh, making a note now to include that webinar in the follow-up because uh, it seems like that's come up a few times all right what has been the downstream impact uh for your comp flows uh well i'm assuming they mean like enrollments all that yeah um well like i said we have a, a record admit class this year um a lot of that i think is thanks in part to our partnership with Niche and our direct admission. Um, but I also think that it's being true to who we are and to our brand. Um, we previously partnered with outside vendors and they didn't, I, there was, it was nothing wrong with them, but they didn't get who we are. Um, I am here on campus. I graduated from this university. I, I have deep feelings about um, about the type of education that we can provide here. And so I'm being relevant, I'm being authentic, and I'm presenting things that are true about our school. And I think that that resonates. At the end of the day, it's authenticity. Yeah. All right. And that looks like the last of the questions. So thank you, Sarah Jane. Uh, if you, people want to throw some, some reactions in there, uh, always fun to see those pop up on the screen. Uh, just a reminder to everyone, we will be following up with a recording and additional resources going out in your email tomorrow. Uh, if you subscribe or, or follow on your favorite podcast app, uh, you'll also find the recording of this in the Enrollment Insights podcast feed. So if you want to listen on the go or just want to be able to share with someone who you know is much more likely to listen than actually watch, uh, that would be fantastic. So thank, thank you. you again, Sarah Jane. Yeah, thanks for everyone's time. I really appreciate it.